0: Think something new,
1: understand. Mm. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Imprint Companion, the podcast dedicated to chronicling the releases of Imprint, the boutique Blu ray label available in Australia via Via Vision. My name is Alexis Toliopoulos, and joining me as always in the celebration of physical media is none other than one of my dearest and most powerful friends it is the creative force known as blake howards oh hello lex
2: man speaking of forceful we have held back three incredible releases from imprint this month from some of the most huge forces in directing that we've probably Mm -hmm. seen in the last 20 years from the united states and beyond gus van Sant's in here Terrence, mother flippin malik
1: yep and none other than david lynch It is an absolute murderer's row of iconic voices in cinema, and I am almost intimidated to talk about some of these releases, because (laughs) they are some big, big, big filmmakers, and beyond that, we're going to be talking about those three massive releases. There's an even bigger release that totally snuck up on us, Uh, it's another... Entry in the imprint TV releases, it is a huge, definitive a release of the British-American co-production science fiction classic, the television series known as Space 1999, starring Martin Landau. So we're talking about some monster releases on this podcast. Why don't we kick it off with a discussion on Terence Malick's iconic 1970s Sleepy Western Days of Heaven (laughs)
0: He didn't know when he first saw her or what it was about her that caught his eye. Maybe it was the way the wind blew to her hair.
2: If anyone who is listening to us on Inbring Companion, you would probably know that there was a glorious Criterion Collection release of Days mm-hmm. of Heaven that has since lapsed. It is now out of print. Some of us, even speaking to you right now, own that version. Um, it is true. One person who's, whose name starts with A <laughs> and ends in Lexi Toliopoulos. It um, is true. one of those very people. <laughs> I'm a proud owner
1: of that. It's, I believe it would have been one of my first Criterions because um, I... I mean, everyone goes through a Malick phase, and I always loved that mm. movie. It used to play on TV, so I want to see it in like the Beauty on a HD Blu-ray release, and I loved that release for a very long time. It's a
2: really great release. So if you own that, I understand perhaps your trepidation as
1: a collector of like, oh, I've already got a Criterion, yes. why do I need an imprint? I don't even but- pay for the imprints, and I was hesitant about it to be honest. <laughs> but. What I want to tell
2: you here is, you know, obviously the the transfer is just as exquisite. It's, um, the, as same, it's, to- uh, it's the same. It's the same
1: remaster they're working from, but I do think that it actually looks a little better on the newer release. So
2: it does look exquisite, but I, I want to say, like selfishly as an Aussie, mm-hmm. there is an Australian film critic who has had a dominant uh, position in the Australian critical landscape for very many, many, many years mm. internationally, especially probably more so in Europe than anywhere else. Yeah. It's not the Margaret and Davids cause they're kind of our, you know, Siskel and Ebert of, uh, of, of, of our television landscape, Margaret Pomerance and David Stratton that is, but Adrian Martin is a, a dominant critic in Australia mm. actually has the greatest flex website. Um, you've ever seen dot au is yeah. Adrian Martin's. <laughs> it is a flex. Um, this disc has an incredible yeah, really great philosophical commentary by the great adrian martin, and it just it is a kind of different than a sort of historical contextual. Mm. It is like this beautiful expressionistic and sort of does some interweavings, but it's like a the longest form glorious film analysis kind of podcasty musing mm. using the visual prompt of this movie to go along for, from someone who knows this movie incredibly well, knows the mm. production inside and out, knows Malick's work all over the place, um, has a rich knowledge of cinematic history, and it's just kind of – it not only is this disc so great because it's a Malik, it's new, it's actually available again. So mm. if you're someone who never got a chance to get the Criterion, like me, because I slept on it completely, I got the other Malik. Uh, the Thin Red Line is yeah. my kind of Malik, so I got that one instead. Um, it is such a great pleasure to be able to a, get your hands on it again. But that exquisite commentary touch, and then the thrown upon the earth. Editing Days of Heaven featurette <gasps> is is one of the best yep. film school essential featurettes that is on any disc that we've covered in the entire Imprint Companion because it talks about how literally a film can be found like mm. just as if you uh, as if you are iteratively uh, editing a story that you're producing or writing it can be found in an edit. And they literally found the way to tell this story and to make it what it is in mm. the editorial phase. And it's just, it's a special release and I loved it. And I'm so glad that I now have my hands on it.
1: And I would have to echo Blake's uh, praise on the Adrian Martin commentary. Uh, in Australia, for all you physical media nerds out there listening to this podcast, I would probably assume that many of you were introduced to special featured. DVDs through the Mad Men label uh, of Director's Suite where we would get like some cult classics but usually there would be some like a fantastic introduction to some of the great works of European filmmakers and stuff like I still have my I still have a few of them sitting on my shelves. But in particular, <laughs> the Turkish-German filmmaker Fatih Kim's films, like head-on, um, I still have my Director's Suite editions. And almost most of them, I would say, have Adrian Martin commentary tracks. So he's a, that's probably how I was first introduced to him and his work, was from his work doing the commentary tracks for the Director's Suite. So this feels like a true... This is something here that um having his commentary on this that almost makes me feel nostalgic and sentimental for my most devious of hobbies which is collecting movies (laughs) i
2: was just gonna say we joked when we were first making this show Mm. happen about how important dvd culture was to us Mm. and so it really feels like a little bit of a full circle moment with a Terrence Malick film on physical media with an Adrian Martin commentary. It's like there's something about those elements coming together that it's, it's special.
1: Whenever I have a full circle moment in my life, Blake, I'm always looking for that other shoe to drop and for me to drop dead. And this one (laughs) is a big one happening for me. (laughs) Uh, Also, we've got another great, Entry in what I think Imprint is doing the best uh, uniquely compared to any other label is they honor the score beautifully by just having mm. a discussion and featurette dedicated to the score. We've got one of those on this as well. It's maybe the best one. I don't need to go into it because what are you going to expect? It's a, one of the great <laughs> scores. Um, and then to top it all off, I'm an aesthetist. Okay. I love aesthetics. <laughs> that is why I got into collecting Criterion in Blu-rays. The imprint box is far and away more beautiful than the Criterion box because it's oh my God. got it's- the classic typeface. The font from the poster is on both of the um, boxes. The outer la- the outer shell and then the actual plastic box has got one of the greatest typefaces and fonts ever put on a poster. And the images are so evocative of Malik. I love this poster and I'm so glad it's finally getting used. Yeah, I
2: that is one of the glorious things about if you get your hands on the special editions that imprint Mm -hmm. put out first up is the options of the different cases and covers. And so many of them, you know, there's nothing more infuriating than a bad movie poster for a movie that you love. And there's equally nothing more infuriating than an absolute dog shit
1: version Mm -hmm. of a
2: great poster. Like, there, I mean, we've recently talked, sorry to throw shade at our friends, um, perhaps at Paramount Pictures, but some of the Indiana Jones, Drew Struzan posters are some of the most beautiful movie yep. posters that have ever been created, mm-hmm. right? And also Drew Struzan's amazing Star Wars 1997 special edition <gasps> posters that he did for, the, for, for those films. They I are, keep
1: those uh, still here on VHS. I'll never be able to watch them again, but I love the look of those posters so much.
2: They're so glorious. Mm -hmm. And yet every new iteration is some fucking
1: dog shit. Minimalist look of something. I don't know what they're trying to capture.
2: Crummy nonsense Mm -hmm. Photoshop exercise in hell. And when you see the glory of a hand-painted movie poster realized Mm. on crisped cardboard for your shelf, there's kind of nothing like it. And I really just like... I just like that is imprint just gets it to its bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 so I'm so happy that the, the Days of Heaven has this. But let's sidestep from Malik as a powerhouse filmmaker and let's dive into, you know, when we talk about Discovery, I think this next film that we're going to talk about is kind of a true discovery, rediscovery film, in fact, because I think Gus Van Sand is a filmmaker that we can say is one of the most ethical, Uh, eclectically uh, capable filmmakers who's ever lived. He's Mm. made films across a whole bunch of genres, has changed the face of different cinematic modes and storytelling. He's dabbled in science fiction, you know, this sort of docudrama style. He's, you know, he's he's, he's worked across the map and so long and and been kind of a, a really stable voice in independent cinema. And so many people talk about the 90s being completely defined by a British... Movie about Scottish mm-hmm. smack addicts yeah. <laughs> called Train Spotting, directed iconically by Danny Boyle, one of his very early films. Um, and that film had such a profound impact on the culture because of, like, I guess, primarily stylistically and just kind of its forthright message that sort of cut through and transcended the film. But Gus Van Sant's Drugstore Cowboy. Is up next in this list. Mm. It's it stars Matt Dillon, um, it stars Kelly Lynch, and it, it stars a co star of Zodiac, James Lagro, and it's uh, the the, in, the indie Brad Pitt, I believe they call him, and this is made in 1989, a full seven mm. years before Train Spotting, and it feels like when I was watching this, I was like, trains. Potting for the longest time in my cinematic knowledge had been such a singular entity and something that pushed things so far. You know, you talk about like needles touching skin in uh, in train spotting that they couldn't do in Pulp Fiction and things like that. But this Drugstore Cowboy was a true rediscovery and kind of like there's nothing more crisp or clear than its grubbiness.
0: My name is Bob and this is a picture of me. It was 1971, and me and my friends had just got an apartment in Portland, Oregon. You alone? What, you think I brought my rat-faced granny along to hold my hand? That's Rick, my old partner. Every once in a while, we get restless. Hey! Hit the local points of interest. Oh what are you guys been doing? Reading Mickey Spillane or something? Hey. It just seems like the other day, I was saying, it looks like Bobby Hughes has finally slowed down a little bit, and then, bang, you knock off another pharmacy. Honey? Oh, that's Diane right there. I like Diane. She took a darn good picture, too. Better than in real life. Right out of the clear blue sky, you say you're gonna clean up your hand. Diane, I can't do it anymore. I'm going straight, man. We'll try it sometime. It's good for the The Thing is, no matter how good a rip-off artist you are, Sooner or later, you pay the price.
2: Alex, tell me about your experience with this movie and
1: this beautiful release. This is my first time watching this film. Um, And I have to echo something you were saying uh, that didn't really occur to me because um, this film comes out in 1989 and it's set in the 1970s it truly feels like the first film of the 1990s. Like, to me, this feels like such a precursor to, like you said, Train Spotting, but even more so mainstream American, more mainstream American films like Reality Bites, I feel like owes a lot to this. And one of the things I think is so powerful about this film is you've got some of the great young actors of the 1980s like, teen stars as well. Um, with, like, Matt Dillon, Kelly Lynch, James LaGrosse, and then Heather Graham as well. This is a, one of the... Probably... I don't know. I can't think of an earlier film I would have seen with her in it. And these are all very beautiful young people. And you kind of see... Without it feeling too overboard, the effects of the lifestyle that they live uh, coming over them. And I think by having, like, these really fresh face people that have like the proper movie star charisma like you know they go on to some great some of these people um it feels like tragedy like if the tragedy is really mm. elegantly shown and there's this beautiful flow to it uh but beyond that as well there's like one instance of casting in here that i think is divine and um gus van Sant is no stranger to this to like like a divine impulse of casting someone out of left field. And William S. Burroughs, one of the most important, mm. like, offbeat um, folk, American folk heroes, basically the author of uh, Naked Lunch and, like, kind of, like, so many counterculture works like that is cast as this priest who is also a someone who has lived this same lifestyle have been addicted to drugs and is trying to be on the road to recovery, I think it's one of the most sublime pieces of stunt casting I've ever encountered. And he carries (laughs) all the perfect gravitas for something like this. Like the guy's had a hard life, but his impact on culture is second to none, basically. Um, And I was really... This was such a surprise, this movie, because it's also a little bit of fun in the same way that train spotting is. A little inspiring as well, and like hoping these people will better their lives and turn them around, even like the odds are stacked against them. And great music, like good score, but also like some kind of reggae and stuff. Like it closes out (laughs) with one of my favorite reggae songs. Uh, I really, really like this movie a lot and i'm kind of up and down on gus van sant. i would put this top tier gus van sant for me really. yeah, it's it's he's
2: like uh when you've made so many films, that's the, the pleasure about gus van sant. you can have a top 5 gus van sant films and have seen only like 10 of his 30 films or something yeah. like that, like he's got so many films on his resume. um but um we've al- we always consistently shout out um on the specials uh, you know, uh, the, the different, the different you know, scores or, or compositions. There's a really good Kelly Lynch on Drugstore Cowboy feature, mm. right, which came out in 2021. So they got to interview Kelly Lynch retrospectively about it, which is worthwhile. And also um, ahead of the curve, Chris O'Neill's vis- vis- visual essay, rather, mm. does talk about exactly the contextual placement of Drugstore Cowboy and yeah. how important it was to the upcoming sort of new, new wave of um, American New Hollywood that a lot of people credit to... Uh, you know, Res Dogs, Reservoir Dogs mm. now. Um, uh, Reservation Dogs is now playing, but Reservoir Dogs of 1992. Yeah. Um, but and and El Mariachi. But I think some of that energy, that those inter periods between the end of decades and the new ones, are very fascinating to mine out. I always find, and and this mm. one is
1: one of those. So yeah, a, a really good release. Absolutely, absolutely. The next film that we're going to be discussing on here is by one of the most important filmmakers especially when it comes to surrealism in films, but this is probably his most naturalistic effort, his hidden masterpiece, and personally, my favorite film from author David Lynch. We are going to be discussing the imprint release, and I believe either first or most widely accessible Blu-ray release of his masterpiece, The Straight Story.
0: This morning you fall and you can't get off the floor. That's your hips, Alvin, and you're going to have to use a walker now to get around. No walker. I love a lightning storm. Me too, Dad. Uncle Al, I had a a stroke. Rose, darling, I'm going to go back on the road, and I I've got to make this trip on my own. I've got to go see Lyle. I know you understand. <laughs> Alvin, you're going to get blown off the right off the road! That's what I'm afraid! Mount Zion, Wisconsin. Why didn't you just take your car? I don't have a driver's license. That's 60 more miles of hills. That's across the Mississippi. Uh, i having a little engine trouble. You know, uh, I'd be happy to drive you the rest of the way to Mount Zion. I still want to finish this the way I started. And this trip is a hard swallow for my pride. I just hope I'm not too late. You've got two brothers that haven't spoken in 10 years. I want to make peace. I want to sit with him. Look up at the stars like we used to do so long ago, brothers and brother.
2: Yeah, this is the first time I'd watched this. When is the first time you watched this? It was only this year,
1: right? Yeah, this year or last year. It's one that had been like yeah. on my radar for a long time. And I'm not a David Lynch acolyte like many of our listeners must be. I yes. do like him. Nor,
2: but... nor nor am I. I wanted mm. to say a confession right up right in front of uh, I'm not a Lynch head either. I know mm. so many like completely immersed, and I appreciate you and I love you. And I don't, yeah. I don't dislike his films. I've just, I haven't. Maybe I haven't been bitten by the same bug. But yes. I've Just never. I've never. Um. I've always appreciated it, but it's always been kind of at arm's length,
1: if you like. I would agree. He's not part of my cinematic heritage. I appreciate everything he does, but um. It's, it, I just don't have personal connection to his films. The way mm. that my co-host on Total Reboot, Cameron James, he is like a... He loves Lynch. Like, Lynch mm. is one of his absolute guys that, like, introduced him to everything that he loves about in cinema. And um this was one that had been on my list for a while because, you know, he's a big director. you tr- got to try and get through the filmography every now and then. And it was on SBS On Demand streaming service. It was about to leave. I chucked it on and I was transfixed. This is... Out and Out, easily my favorite film made by David Lynch. Uh, It's a very low-key story about a man living in the rural states of America who has to go visit his brother and uh, who lives many states over, but he can't drive a car there, so he has to drive very slowly on his tractor to get all the way there. (laughs) little ride on
2: lawnmower all the way from Lorenz, Iowa to Mount Zion, Wisconsin. And if you're in the United States, you know what that means for Alexi and I. It's just really far away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, Alvin Strait is his name. And he is the name of the story. Mary Sweeney, who was actually the spouse of David Lynch, had written this uh, little sort of script and would never have imagined that he wanted to do something like that. But I think he was yearning after a couple of his more surrealist... Um, you know, very psychologically heavy films Mm. that he decided he wanted to sell something. Literally, you know, a straight story. Tell a story about a person wanting to do
1: something in their life. Distributed Um, by the Walt Disney Corporation and Buena Vista Pictures. uh, Unreal, right? Unreal for him.
2: And what's really interesting, if you've never seen it, is... It still has some of those Lynch qualities Mm. in that...
1: It is weird. Like, it's a weird story because it's based on a true story that feels in the Lynch vein. Like, he does like his road trip movies, and this is a great road trip movie, but it is so low-key. It's just... uh, It's hard to describe, even.
2: Yeah, it's delicate. It's sweet. It's sad and soulful mm. and and people uh, people reveal what's under the hood. I, I, and I, what I'm trying to say there is what I love about some of the disarming conversations that happen in this movie is that like Alvin Strait will be talking to like another older person who he meets along the journey and they go and have a lunch together or a meal together. And it's like, it has this quality of this ongoing quality in fact of like, I don't know if you've had this phenomenon, Lex, happen as well, but, like, sometimes you meet a you strain- People talk about, like, mm. you meet a stranger on a plane or a long train trip, and you just, like, confess like yeah. everything you've been waiting to get out, you feel like this is a single-serving dialogue. I'm never going to meet this person again. I'm just going to, like, bounce everything that is in my deca- deepest, darkest well to them. And it feels like this movie has a series of those really candid, uh, unguarded conversations that happen between people and people break down. And I especially think that they're like the, the older generation, this sort of tough um, strong silent type exterior that has sort of, you know, so much of that generation typifies. It's so awesome to watch in this movie that kind of be stripped away and be investigated and probed and psychologically tested in the way that Lynch can do. And yeah, it's a really um, a really, really special one. and uh, and, and three my...
1: headline performances as well of Richard Farnsworth oh. as Alvin Strait, who held the record for oldest nominee for Best Actor at the Academy Awards until this year when Anthony Hopkins won for The Father. Uh, he is so incredible in this movie, the politeness of this character and this this tearfulness about him and strength about him sensational performance sissy spacek as his daughter and harry oh. dean stanton as his brother i almost feel like it's a spoiler to tell the audience that it's harry dean Stan that he's on the vo- <laughs> on the voyage to because when i he has that reveal in the movie i was like god damn couldn't have been anybody else on the planet in that role no couldn't
2: have been and um there's a really terrific mark and bob tell it straight um uh, crew doco about scouting the locations for this. And, and the fact that they literally made this movie as a road trip because they wanted it to be in these places and mm. find these spaces along the way. And, um, and, and, and talk to these guys who got to work with Lynch for the first time and, and how seeing Lynch stuff had made them want to be filmmakers. So it's really the beautiful aspirational story is my favorite feature on the disc, but there are countless editions. I even got a glorious Blu-ray box set of all of the Twin Peaks, double series, and then the, the, the final third season. Um, there's so many other things, but Straight Story seems to have eluded a great collection so far, and if you're a Lynch completist, you need it. So, I mean, I feel like we're preaching to the choir, but it's just another one of these bangers in this director mm. series that, that, that is, I feel like every Lynch fan's going to want just to say that they've got them all.
1: I would say that this batch of six movies that we've covered from this Chinese box, uh, all the ones we covered in this episode, uh, Double Jeopardy, and As Good As It Gets, really is... its We've had some fine batches. I think this one expresses something interesting in that we've got four films by iconic filmmakers. I'm including this, the ones we talked about today, and As Good As It Gets. Then we've got Uh, Bruce Beresford's most mainstream thriller, like classic video store DVD movie, which is Double Jeopardy. And then Chinese Box, which is from a, a filmmaker that should be more important and is such an odd, forgotten, interesting, fascinating, explorative piece of art. There's something about this Batch where it might be like that freaking James L. Brooks film. It is as good as it gets. <laughs> as
2: good as it gets.
1: Really, I think this is a this is one where I'm like, yeah, it, grab the whole batch. This is a no brainer for me. You want those special uh, editions.
2: This is the own like maybe the only batch that I would undeniably say mm. you could totally buy it and you would have no buyer's remorse. Yep not a lick of buyer's remorse. Like there's, in every, almost every batch, you know, up and down, obviously there's like one or two that you're like, I may not revisit that again in mm. that batch, but it's like a really great release, but I probably won't revisit it. I will totally revisit every one of these movies yeah. that we've talked about. And Chinese Box, 100%, Double Jeopardy, gonna definitely happen. As good as it gets, obviously, obviously, um and any of you know the days of heaven feels like it gets a you know one or two year rotation just in general but yeah. drugstore cowboy d- train spotting double feature it's gonna happen
1: yeah and I would also say Blake you can assuage your feelings of missing out on the Criterion because I think that this is uh more I'm pretty comfortable can say this is what I would consider a more definitive release for me and you personally at least
2: wow yeah. And I and I and I absolutely take your word for it. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked that I got my hands on it. When it disappeared uh from from print, I got massive FOMO, but mm-hmm. I'd already completely blown my wad on a Manhunter Scream yeah. Factory special edition on eBay, and we know the price of that. And mm-hmm. I will not tell the listeners because you will be ashamed of me for being so flippant with my funds. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh so you can Purchase these for a much more reasonable price um, via viavision.com.au um uh, and go to the shop there or wherever you get your DVDs and Blu-rays. But yeah, this is a this is a banger of a batch. It's a whole batch purchase
1: mm. for sure. There is one more entry that lands somewhere around this batch as well. It is the second in the imprint TV collection. This is, of course, space. 1999 starring Martin Landau. bit of knowledge about what this was. I'd never explored it. I'd read about it and seen about it because I am a fan of vintage science fiction of this era of the late 60s to the early 70s or to the late 70s even. I'm including shit like Star Wars, of course. Um, (laughs) But I love the aesthetic of these things and this has been on my radar for a while but I don't think I ever thought I would ever watch it. This release is insane, to say the least. I am a
2: uh, '50s sci-fi nerd. Mm. Studied science fiction film at university when I was doing my film studies and uh, degree, and really, um, you know, there's a Terminator original James Cameron Terminator poster behind me. Love sci-fi, but I kind of, I, I, I feel like there's there's a gap in that 60s sci-fi that I kind of missed and it kicked off with Star Trek where, you know, science fiction went mainstream and I kind of missed some of that and I jumped back on for Star Wars and then obviously I was... Along the along the ride with all, I guess all the seminal sci-fi. You're talking so like I you're heard-
1: 150 years old, like you're around for when all these things are first coming out. No, no,
2: no but I mean, I mean, <laughs> I feel like, like, I like in my in my like study that that's just kind of what happened. Like yeah. my my lecturer and teachers like pointing me in these directions, and I just had these big gaps, mm. so I didn't know really about this until we got our chance to get our hands on it. And what I was completely shocked by is how. Frickin' exquisite. Yeah. This show looks... It looks like unbelievable. Like unbelievably good. Like there is some, you know, obviously it's a miniature or rear reprojection or whatever, but everything looks so incredibly textured. Yep. The outfits are incredible. Mm-hmm. The, the spaceships and all of their buttons and the suits are incredible. Um... One major thing, like I've only watched like an episode in a bit of the series. Lex has kind of dived more headlong into it, but I'm definitely going to have this on uh, because of consistent white noise in my office until I finish the entire series because it's just, it's a total ripper and the pilot is absolutely incredible. But it has this amazing, refreshing quality, Lex, that I think you and I have like texted back and forth about, Mm -hmm. which is like, shit, I love seeing old people in space.
1: That's what it is for me. There's something in the aesthetic of... The future visions from 1970 of like these tunics and like these gender neutral clothing almost, and like these angular sci fi hard edged visions with these soft beigey colors and these burnt oranges. <laughs> like everything looks like autumn. And. Everyone has these hectic sideburns and moustaches and comb-overs, like pure 70s stuff. Oh, my God. That's what I love. Everyone's got these wispy hairs and stuff. And I think, like, you know, (laughs) that's so out of line for how we see sci-fi now. You have to go back to shit like this and Star Wars and Silent Running to get that real aesthetic.
2: It's it's so annoying how young everyone is like especially in Star Trek when you see the original Star Trek it's like adults mm. and then like you see the new Star, Star Trek and it's like sexy young like 20 mm. somethings and you're like huh oh. like this doesn't work and 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 so I I really love that and also for this, you know, British US co-production, such a beautifully eclectic group of people mm. as in different ethnicities represented. There is an Australian character. Yep. There's like an Australian guy talking to Martin Landau. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? It's it's so good. And I'm sure if there are fans out there, just so you know, again, one of these glorious rigid imprint boxes with the little triangles on the side to in, in triangular interlocking has a huge making of space 1999 book by Ian Fryer who's chronicled everything about the series given mm-hmm. synopses about all the episodes and broken them down talking about everything like impacts ufos context great stuff And then these two beautiful massive box sets on the inside Mm. of this rigid case as well that look exquisite. It's Um, chock full. Like
1: there's insane amounts of special features on here, including a freaking BD-ROM with like the scripts of the series on there as well. So you can read the scripts. Uh, Amazing. And all the old like classic annuals of like back in the day when fan magazines used to exist for these kind of properties. Where there's like these big, it's got the B, the BD ROM, something I don't know if I'll ever be able to interact with, but <laughs> it's got everything you could dream about on there. Yeah, look, it's 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 a really great thing, and like
2: seventy-five to seventy-nine, like these guys are using all the same tech and hardware. That is so iconic and still stands up from those original mm-hmm. Star Wars releases yes. in seventy seven. It's it's like it it's it's really special and yeah i i i i can't get enough of, I can't get enough of this stuff. It's so good and it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. It looks great on the shelf. Really, that burnt orange that is on their sleeves is on your shelf. Yeah. on this big box, it's really good.
1: If you are a Star Trek fan, if you are a two thousand one Space Odyssey fan, Silent Running this is a freaking dream come true to be honest like this <laughs> I'm really really glad I'm watching this and I've I have a, a a little group chat of buddies where we like end up trying to sync up watching like CSI and um <laughs> or, or like you know our procedurals and stuff together and uh, I sent them the trailer for this and go like I just got sent this I'm diving in and they were all blown away by how good something like this was from TV in the 1970s can look. Like, it looks... It looks genuinely, like, on par. Not on par. I'm trying to find a way to say this, where it looks in a... God damn it. 2001 A Space Odyssey is one of the most exquisite cinematic experiences I've ever had in my life. Aesthetically, yes. this looks not too far out of the ballpark of like the satirical moments of it in space, but it is shot like TV. It's not like you're going to watch this and it's like a 500 hour poem. It is, um, <laughs> but it just, it, it, the, they capture the same aesthetic for TV that I cannot but- believe that they did.
2: They, they have set the production design benchmark at 2001 A Space Odyssey and then obviously had to shoot it like a television show but mm. it is it is it, it spares no expense to look exquisite um they're not shooting like like set on like beautiful 70 mil mm. you know gorgeous uh, cameras they're shooting on tv cameras but that's kind of the only thing that it has going against it it's like i, I can't imagine what the to budget, me it's, it's a plus t- it's
1: still a plus like that's not against oh. it that's one of the oh. things i love about it.
2: <laughs> No, I li- <laughs> yeah. Once it's all boxy and shot like TV, it's it's great. But they definitely were the aspirations were massive. Mm. So I can't wait to I can't wait to see what happens. The pilot like, is pretty it,
1: close to film quality as well, I would say. Like it's ter- fucking awesome. Terrific.
2: And great mystery and really hooked me. I was I was kind of passively watching it and then I was completely hooked. Guys, thank you so much for this absolutely epic uh, month of imprint companion episodes for this epic release of imprint films. There are so many releases coming that I cannot even get my damn head around it. We have November and December bundles that are going to, that are going to swarm on us uh, on in any minute. So let's just quickly recap. If you guys haven't heard on November 24th, we have let's scare Jessica to death, Tamlin body parts, the gift Stir of Echoes, The Medusa Touch, and The Possession of Joel Delaney. As we record this, there is an announcement for what is coming up in December. And there is also a massive, what has kind of been broadly dubbed, the, another September box set, as kind of a British box set, which has The Ipcrest File, mm. Funeral in Berlin, um, a Billion Dollar Brain, and then it's got a British comedy box set, Dad's Army, Steptoe and Son, Steptoe and Son Ride Again, Are You Being Served? And then the, a Browning version, which is Browning version, uh, the remake of the Browning version, Reflection of Fear, Ned Kelly from nineteen seventy, starring Mick Jagger, and then the Assassination Bureau with uh, P- Oliver Reed. So all the way from 70, imprint numbers seventy-five to eighty-six in that one, and then as I said in the horror one for November, going all the way um, up into nearing a hundred, and then we get onto that next massive batch. So massive imprint releases coming up, massive episodes in this month, Lex. You're a legend. This has been amazing talking to you. Where can people find you? Perhaps not in their ears, but can they find you somewhere in their eyes when they listen to this episode? Can they see your beautiful face?
1: Yeah, check out uh, Question Everything on the ABC, hosted by Will Anderson and Jan Fran. I'm a regular panelist on it, so you can catch me on a few episodes. Basically doing very silly, crazy comedy, which is what I do. And um, yeah, it's been such a joy to be on that show and doing comedy on TV, which I almost never get to do. Uh, And Blake Howard, what have you got cooking up that you want people to check out?
2: Look, guys, I just want you to stay on One Heat Minute Productions. We have an incredible slate of stuff happening. Uh, so if you're not listening to us uh, in the imprint companion feed, you've certainly listened to us in the Serious Disc Agreement feed, which is Alexi and I talking all things physical media. One of my favorite times of any part of the week where we get to hang and do that together. So please listen. I love when you do. Thank you so much for supporting us. And, I've had so many wonderful shout outs, even as recent as today, t- talking about got us pointing them onto imprint, pointing them onto things like Second Sight, mm. people shouting out and say, thank you for basically me spending my money. Um, so you're welcome I'm on all those counts. And and finally, um, Miami Nice is mm. really kicking off right now uh, beautifully. So uh, ki- jump on Chris Evangelista from 21st Century
0: Spielberg Ooh, and yeah. Slash
2: Film is a guest with Katie Walsh and I in the next uh, episode. So, very exciting. And a huge list of incredible guests coming up.
1: Can I give a shout out to something that Blake and I did together that I don't know if we've even recorded since doing? Um, We were on Screen Drafts, which is probably together one of our favourite film podcasts hosted by Clay Keller and Ryan Marker. We counted down a list of the top seven 21st century Australian feature films. It was... Copacetic and it was a bloodbath at the same time.
2: (laughs) It was truly outstanding, and it wasn't, I don't think people realized the anxiety and the tension until Clay posted that great photo of you, Lex, with your hands on your head uh, (laughs) in the episode. Like, I can't believe, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? It was so much fun, and uh, I got drunk with power, and uh, Lex got so nervous, but I think truly we created. Um, a kind of resoundingly wonderful mm. list of Australian films of the 21st century that I think are all worthwhile visiting and uh, and we've had some great feedback on it. And so if you yeah. guys have already listened to that, thank you. And if you haven't, please uh, enjoy it. It's just more of the silly nonsense that we bring you every week on A Serious Disagreement So, um, and uh, in print companion. So yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying that. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on another episode soon because we got to get the hell off here because we got so many freaking things to watch on discs.